Welcome to the Catch Em and Keep Em podcast with Melissa Glennie and Mark Altman. We're here to help you hire, engage, and retain the best talent to help you make your vision a reality. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the uh, Catch Em, Keep Em podcast. I, Mark, I almost forgot the name of our podcast there for a second. <laughs> it's been that busy in my world. How are you doing? I'm great. Uh, yeah, you know what's so funny, Melissa? Sometimes when I forget things these days, literally my default is I get insecure about my age. Like I start to think, oh my God, is this the beginning of the end? Like, am I really starting to forget stuff? <laughs> and, uh, or it's like, all right, well, maybe I'm just a little tired and dehydrated. Maybe that's why I'm forgetting stuff. Yeah, first things first, get a glass of water. Right, right. <laughs> so yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Well, I certainly hear you too on that one. So, um, hey, you know, I'm so glad that you brought up the idea of courageous conversations or fierce conversations around delivering bad news. I mean, I, I certainly, I think it really has hit home for me recently with my, my kids going through this pandemic situation because, um, you know, it's so difficult to have to deliver bad news to your kids, especially when it has nothing to do with anything that they've done, you know, telling them, no, you can't have friends over and no, you know, we, we, uh, we can't go to the movies. We can't do this, you know, all of this stuff. And then they're excited because they're going back to school and then we're like, mm, sorry, you're not going back to school now. <laughs> um, so, you know, I am um, one thing that I've been wanting to ask you, Mark, because as we relate this to organizations and employees, I, one thing I've always kind of struggled with is when to have a conversation with the team as a whole and when to pull it into more like one on one conversations. Can you speak to how you advise your customers on that? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting, right? There's there's four buckets of communication in my mind. Bucket number one is, do I email it? Bucket number two is, do I make a phone call? Bucket number three is, do I do Zoom in person hybrid, right? Whatever's appropriate based on our culture right now. But it's the fourth one, Melissa, to me that's, is there a hybrid of email and team communication. And so here's my point. There's a tendency, because it can be very hard to pull people together, um, to just send out a quick email to your team and say, okay, just want to let everybody know that from now on, we need to, we have this change in policy or this change in procedure. And to me, it's a really poor way to do it because anytime you're delivering bad news, you're like a PR person. You want to get in front of it. Right, you don't want to be reacting to reactions that you can't really monitor and control. So I think when it comes to delivering bad news, my single biggest rule is bad news should never ever be emailed, and it can it can accompany the email can accompany a face to face or Zoom communication, but not instead of. And so I think that's ultimately the rule. And um, you have to, part of being a good at change management, Melissa, and delivering bad news is you have to be able to anticipate the reactions. You have to have some self-awareness. And in that conversation, it's not just delivering the news, it's being ready and prepared to respond to the anticipated reactions. Yeah, I mean, you raise a good point because, so when you brought up the idea of email in conjunction with an in-person, what are your thoughts around you know, communicating with someone, giving them a heads up that you have bad news. Is that a good idea? Not a good idea? 
Yeah, it's actually the opposite. I find myself a lot when I have to have a difficult or a courageous conversation, I'll say to myself, hey, I need to talk to you about something, but don't worry, it's not bad news, right? And so I think that if you do have difficult news to give someone, your question's complex for this reason, because it's all going to depend on the frequency of how often you talk to this person to begin with. Mm -hmm. If you're the kind of leader where you're regularly interacting with the people on your team, then to sit and say, hey, I'd love to spend 15 minutes with you this afternoon to talk about something, you don't have to tell them it's bad news because they're used to talking to you anyway. And frankly, hopefully they're used to hearing positive and constructive feedback from you. Yeah. But if it's the relationship where you don't really talk to the person and all of a sudden out of the blue, you reach out and say, hey, I kind of need to talk to you. If you don't mention anything about what it's about, they're going to assume the worst yeah. and you're going to create anxiety because of the, the uh, rarity of this kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. So we've talked before and you, you've said something that I thought was brilliant. You know, um, and I wish I could remember exactly how you said it, but something to the effect of, you know, everything's about the way you broach conversations. How do, what are your suggestions for when you're opening up a conversation assuming somebody has no idea that there's bad news coming. I mean, how, how do you prime them essentially to be able to receive it? Well, let's take an example of um, delivering bad news to a job applicant, someone who had their heart set on a certain job. Mm -hmm. So see, to me, Melissa, you know, one of the things that's interesting, whether you're the one having to deliver that news or one of your client, the HR person is giving the news or whoever is giving it, See, part of the thing is I think most job applicants just want transparency. Yeah. They just want to be given the courtesy to be given the results with some kind of caring and compassion. So I think in many cases, job applicants are less concerned. I mean, of course they want good news, but they would settle for news period, depending on how it's delivered. Mm -hmm. So the long and short of what I'm saying is, I think part of what it's like to give bad news is how you set expectations in the first place. And I guess I would turn it back to you and say, I'd love to know that when um, high quality candidates come to you and you present opportunities for them, how do you balance um, wanting them to be excited for the opportunity, but setting expectations that, you know, I'm not promising, I'm not guaranteeing, to me, Melissa, that's got to be one of the hardest parts of your job is balancing those two concepts. Yeah, it, it's uh, and it's it goes back to a point you made earlier about anticipating what the, the reaction is is going to be from someone, because uh, I, I, yeah, it's it's really hard, it's gutting sometimes to have to go back to a candidate who, let's say, for example, has gone through three rounds of interviews and they're totally pumped up and in love, and just kind of holding their breath, right? The, I been in those situations many, many times and have had to tell them that they didn't get the job. Um, and, uh, but, but to your point, I think that, you know, thank goodness it is a process and there's multiple conversations. So I do get the opportunity to consistently take temperature and see, you know, where they stand. So I, I can go into that kind of a situation uh, with, an, with an expectation of, of what kind of reaction I'm likely to see from them and then kind of prepare uh, accordingly. So Melissa, let's say um, a hiring manager calls you up and they say, Melissa, we have a problem. We just interviewed a candidate for a second round of interviews. 
And we think they have, this candidate has great potential. We're excited, but, and we want them to know we're excited, but we're also still interviewing. We still have two other candidates. We're pretty excited. Melissa, how do we have our cake and eat it too? How do we tell this candidate that we like you, we think you're a legitimate op op candidate, and at the same time, we wanna be honest with you and know that there's still two other people in the mix. Is it as simple as just saying that, or is there a, a method to this, so to speak? You know, um, I, I've, I've heard many methods in, in 20 years, you know, having various companies I'd worked for in, in different ways. I mean, some philosophy in, when it comes to the recruiting world was just you know, get as much excitement built up on both sides and whatever happens in the end, it happens and move on, you know? And I, I, it's not really the way that I'm comfortable working. I've, I've determined that just transparency is really what fits my style. Um, and come being able to, to have a conversation with someone in the context of both the good and the bad news and, and just tell them like this, this is how I do it. Um, I'll, I'll explain why the client is excited about them, what specifically, it could be the specific things in their background, certain ways they answer certain questions that really stood out. And then, and then I'll tell them, but on the flip side, here's where there's gaps and here's, there's a couple other candidates they're going through the process with. So that could be um, the hurdle that we need to hopefully overcome, but trying not to set false expectations. So Melissa, like, am I being too harsh if I said, and listen, you know, I'm opinionated, so I'm just qualifying that. Really? But am I being too harsh when I say that if you're a company and you're balancing keeping the candidate excited with being transparent about, you know, how early it is in the process and how many people they're competing against, if the company isn't fully transparent, I say they're just being selfish because there's only one motivation to me, if you're a company, not to be transparent, and that's you want to keep them all for yourself in case they're looking at other opportunities. Mm -hmm. So is it as cut and dry? Because to me, it feels a little cut and dry like that, that that's the motive for not being completely transparent. Is that fair to say? Uh, I think that I think that's definitely a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and I know sometimes um, companies will want to hold their cards a little close to their vest. So nothing gets taken misconstrued. Uh, for example, something is, as, as um, benign and innocent as a manager saying, hey, I'm really looking forward to working with you. And now the candidate who's still in process gets the idea that, oh, they're moving towards an offer. And that may not be the case at all. Yeah, and what's interesting, when, when we talked earlier in the podcast about courageous conversations, this is the rub, right? How do you be truthful and transparent without hurting people's feelings? right? But also setting proper expectations, you know, right? Um, and it's, it's all three, Melissa, without hurting feelings, setting expectations, and keeping them excited and motivate, motivated. Mm -hmm. And so that's a tricky three things um, to, to balance. And which is why, you know, when we say delivering bad news, you know, it's delivering bad news, but it's just also, it's about delivering honesty. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, 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 it's setting this being transparent. And so, you know, and I, and I would imagine Melissa for you, you know, one of the challenges that um, a lot of your HR, you know, directors that you work with is how do they have, how do they do that? 
with managers. So for instance, if they're in a situation where there aren't enough quality, let, let's take not enough quality candidates for first. So, you know, managers emailing them, calling them, okay, I'm looking for candidates, like what's going on? And then the HR person, I would imagine, and I'm, I'm very excited to hear your take on this. I would imagine the HR person has to feel somewhat conflicted because even though there really genuinely may not be enough quality candidates, the bigger question to me is, what's the perception of the person being told that? Is the leader gonna walk away from that conversation and go, it's your job. Like, what do you mean there aren't enough quality candidates? And they put so much pressure and expectation on the HR person to manufacture something that's not there. So it's kind of twofold, Melissa, right? It's, it's how do you deliver that news and then how do you avoid the potential perception some might, someone might have as a result of that news? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, uh, in segueing from our conversation around the re uh, candidate that didn't get the job and into this, I, I see that there's two types of conversations, uh, both involving bad news. But, you know, you're at the end of the line with a the candidate, they didn't get the job. That's one of those things where it, there's nothing more for us to do at this point. It's done. We can't avoid hurt feelings. Obviously, there's going to be some disappointment. And, um, and I think that part of being prepared to have the conversation involves being prepared to be with that person after you've delivered the news and allowing them to kind of digest and be there to, to be supportive, you know, empathetic and kind of validate their, their feelings. I think that's part of going into a meeting like that, being prepared. So as you anticipate how they're going to take it, that I, I, wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't rush to, um, uh, you know, to end the conversation before you've been able to close it up with that. But on the other hand, what you've just brought up, I look at the conversation where someone's delivering bad news saying, you know, you're not producing the, the result that we're looking for, right? Now that's a, that's a feedback session. That's, that's a, a problem solving conversation to figure out, you know, it, it's a, obviously a mismatch of expectations. And so we've got to figure out how to come to, together um, so that reality and the expectations are more closely aligned. So I, I see them as the, they're just different flavors of, of bad news conversation. Yeah, Melissa, well, I have to tell you, I'm about to give you actually a very real scenario that I am really struggling with right now on this topic. And it relates to what you just said. And the scenario is I have a client that has asked me to uh, seek feedback from an entire HR department about the HR director. Okay. And so I've gotten the feedback and it's pretty tough. It's pretty harsh feedback. Mm -hmm. And um, the HR director who I've met with a couple of times is waiting to hear it. And um, I'm so torn because I want to give this person time to digest it before we meet. So they're not like, you know, not in a situation where they're being put on the spot. But I also know the tendency of this person, and this is what makes this topic really tough, is sometimes if you have too much time to process information, your mind starts to take you in bad places. So I'm trying to decide right now, and I'd be curious to know how you would handle this. I'm deciding, do I have a preliminary conversation with this person to kind of prepare her for what she's about to see? Mm -hmm. So she, she's not too hard on herself or whatever, or do I just give her the feedback 
And then, you know, we can, and I'd say, you know, well, let's discuss it in the follow-up meeting we have. But that's a tricky thing too, because if feedback is unexpected, if it's a, if you're giving, if you're having bad news or giving, um, a, talking to someone about something they're not anticipating or the severity of it, boy, that can be really difficult. So sometimes I think you can almost have too much time or without a preempt of sorts, it can almost backfire. Yeah, I, you know, I, I feel for you. Um, I think that one thing I was thinking as you were telling me about that is, I think we as humans naturally have this kind of instinct to, uh, when, when it's really tough news to have to deliver, just to kind of get it over with, you know, just rip the bandaid off, here it is. And um, I think most, in most cases, we can do a better job of preparing the person. Um, I, I, I think a lot of times about physicians and what they have to deal with mm. and the way they approach patients. Um, in fact, when I have to deliver bad news, I, I will say to myself in a lot of cases, like, I'm not telling someone they're terminally ill. Like, at least I don't have to do that, you know? Mm. Um, and so that it puts it into uh, context for me, but um, but I do think about the way that you would prepare for something like that. And I think, you know, um, you don't have to necessarily treat every situation as though you're giving someone dire news, but at least prepare and set the stage for them so that you don't know how severely they'll respond or how it's going to hit them. So I'd rather be overprepared than underprepared for that and not assume. Um, so, I, I mean, my suggestion would be, um, uh, a, I think you were talking about having a meeting where it's like a preemptive, like here's like a soft opening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's a really cool idea for, for this purpose to, to get her or him, I don't know, but to get the person telling you what they expect to hear. And I don't know if that's something that you've already had a conversation on, but um, I think that that's generally speaking a good first step so that you can gauge how far is their perception from reality. And then um, that opens up the, a platform for you to sit, for you to acknowledge, um, you know, I realize this is very unexpected news for you. And so like leading in with that kind of empathy and and um, you know, I can imagine that this is going to be shocking to hear. Um, and I, this is no, I actually think that's great feedback. And um, really, Melissa, good feedback. I, you know, what what I'm also thinking is is that what is the responsibility of the deliverer of the news, right? And this goes back to what I've always said: is there's only two things in life you can control: your actions and your thoughts. That's it. So you can't control how people are gonna to react to you. You can control the actions that you, when you communicate the information, you can make sure your tone is supportive, your word choice is respectful, your body language is open-minded. You can do that. But ultimately, I think sometimes the bad news part becomes hard for people because they know someone's gonna be upset at them or disappointed to them and they personalize it. And that's the part that upsets them. Whereas if they went into the conversation, look, I can only control how I communicate this news. You know, was I empathetic? Was I supportive? Did I listen openly? Like those are the criteria 
that if you execute that, you did your job. You cannot control how people react after that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the part of it too is, you know, and that's what I got to think about because I think your advice is, is really good. And I just have to remember that, you know, so when I do communicate this, I'm supportive and I'm empathetic and I'm kind um, and also authentic, right? Because you don't want to get in a situation where you're soft pedaling something. You still need to be honest and transparent. So, mm-hmm. but, but it's complex. Well, and you know, Mark, I think you just said something else that was um, really a good point because so often I think we measure these conversations based on how everyone just parts way. Okay. You know, right. And, and we, like we, you know, part of this doing effect, doing this effectively, I think is allowing people to have their feelings and acknowledging them and saying, it's okay to have these feelings and you don't have to rush through them and recover, you know, <laughs> it'll take time. Yeah. And, yeah. and those feelings, Melissa, that you're talking about specifically disappointment and frustration. Yeah. Right. So if someone looks at you and is disappointed, you don't have to sit there and feel bad or, or apologize or whatever. You can just empathize and validate and acknowledge. I, I would imagine this is going to be really hard mm-hmm. and say things like that. And so, uh, yeah. And, and I think, Melissa, you know, one other example I want to cover that I love your perspective on is we, we've covered a few times in this podcast today, the word expectations, right? So a lot of times when it comes to news, you know, a lot of times uh, leaders who are looking to add to their teams uh, will put together job descriptions or have high level expectations of the quality of candidates or the amount of candidates. They have these preconceived notions. And so I think that's also difficult for an HR person uh, to have to go back to a leader. And a lot of people might say, well, that's their job. But just because it's their job doesn't make it easier, Mm -hmm. right? To go back to that leader and say, listen, I I gotta be honest with you, you set your expectations a little too high in this and we should just talk about that. I mean, that's a tough conversation to have whether it's their job or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one one way that I express that when I'm having, because I have that conversation quite, quite often, especially with people who have not been We'll say in the trenches hiring. You know, uh, they 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 just don't have perspective that that we hopefully can can give to them. But um, y'all say anything is possible. It's just a matter. It's just a matter of how much time you have. So um, you know, we can we can manipulate certain levers, but we can't manipulate everything all at once. So um, you know, if somebody tells me that they have uh, a set of requirements and they're not going to budge at all, then, you know, I can, I can give them, uh, the reality of the length of time that search is likely to take. And, and the reality is the reality, like they can expect whatever they want, but, you know, um, it, it's, uh, there has to be some flexibility, I think, from both sides. Well, final thought for me on this is if you have conflicting expectations, if there's a if there's a difficult conversation that needs to be had, then to me, there's one magical question to always ask when this happens. And that is when someone says, well, you know, I thought there were gonna be better candidates or I thought mm-hmm. there were gonna be more candidates. The question is, well, why did you think that? Mm-hmm. Right, like where did that expectation come from? And I think more often than not, if you pu- push back with that question, more often than not, people don't really have an answer. 
it's it's an irrational answer. I don't know. It just seems like that's your job. You're supposed to do that. Yeah. Well, do you have any comparable numbers to indicate how many you expected? And so that's emotional intelligence to a T. Instead of feeling the need to get defensive when someone says, I thought this, I thought that, my pushback is, oh, I didn't know you felt that like what what prompted you to feel that way? And, and it really takes the pressure off you and puts it back on the other person to justify their expectation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can add to that. I think one other um, kind of a phrasing trick that you can use when delivering news, um, you know, in that same example, you know, some uh, leader says, you haven't given me any candidates for this, this, whatever. Um, the answer is, you know, not like, well, I'm trying or la la that the answer is just simply starts with the reason. So uh, the reason you're not seeing more is, and you know, it might take some time to prepare that statement, but being able to just start whatever, the reason we can't give a raise to you at this point in time is blah, 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 rather than just, we can't give you a raise right now. Um, so just a little trick that- I like uh, it, I like stuff. it, awesome. Um, well, I think good stuff. Um, any uh, any more closing closing comments before we wrap up for today? My only remaining comment is: look, there's it's there's a bit of an art form um, to reframe negatives to positives, and you know when you have to deliver bad news, you can be authentic and genuine, um, but have a growth mindset. And there are very often when you deliver bad news, there's an opportunity to learn and grow and take away a positive from it. And I will say that it takes some thought. It takes slowing down enough um, you know, to recognize what that win or what that opportunity was authentically. So just remember, um, there is, it is an art form, but it's critical to identify if you do have that opportunity. Mm, yeah. I think too, I would just add that um, when I'm preparing to have a, a conversation where I have to give someone bad news, one thing I like to, to be able to leave them with is at least I, I'll try to be prepared with some solutions or options mm. for them. The, the, the warning I have there is that if they may not be ready for them. So it, they, if you present them too soon, they could come off as being insensitive. Agreed. But, um, but they may end up being ready. And so I like to have something ready. And if they're not, then at the very least I can say, I know, I know this is not the time to talk about solutions, but I just want you to know I'm here. And love that. Here, love that. So just one, just my final thought. Love it. All right. Well, I mean, this is a topic, Melissa, you and I both know can benefit so many people personally, professionally, leaders, employees, HR. I mean, this this impacts every human being. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so. it does. All right. All right. Good to well, see you. Good to see you too. Take care. All right. See you later. Thanks for joining us on the Catch Them and Keep Them podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss us next time. In the meantime, remember that engaging your people is a daily task and recruiting is a process, not an event. If you need help, just ask. Connect directly with Melissa at franklinprofessionals.com and Mark at mindsetgo.com.